Welcome to the Wild at Heart University radio program, where our mission is to bring to you messages that will equip you to go to the next level with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Satan hates the fact that you are equipping yourself to stand firm against his attacks and learning how to overcome them. We guarantee the information shared in this podcast will impact you or someone you know. Share what you are learning. This is True News, one hour of uncensored news, views, and commentary. Welcome to the program. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Thursday, November 22, 2012. According to the gospel told by St. Luke, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rise from the dead. My friend, there is a place called hell. Every man and woman who refuses to believe on the name of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Today, you will hear my interview recorded several years ago with Bill Wise. He fell into a dream-like trance one night and spent 23 minutes in hell. Here is Bill Wise telling us, what he saw, heard, and felt in that place of torment. About one year ago, I was given a CD with a testimony recorded by this man. And I was moved, and I knew that this man had a true, genuine experience. I know there are scoffers and mockers who would say, that really didn't happen. But I know, I believe in my heart, this man truly had this experience. He's the author of a book, 23 Minutes in Hell. He's a California realtor. And in this book, he describes his personal experience. On November 22nd, 1998, when he was lying in bed at 3 a.m. and he was plunged into hell. He said it wasn't a dream, but it was like it was actuality. Not because he had died, 
but because God wanted him to experience hell and to warn others. Bill's here with us today to talk about that experience and to speak to those listening to this program who have yet to make a decision to repent and believe on the name of Jesus and to speak to those listening to this program who are backslidden and have drifted away from fellowship with the Lord and to speak to those listening to this program tonight who are dabbling and experimenting with sin even though you know it's wrong. And I pray that tonight that a dose of cold reality will come upon you that there is no pleasure on this earth that is worth being sent to hell. Bill Weiss, welcome to True News. Rick, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Well, I have waited for this day, and I've always known that you would be on the program, and I believe that this has been divinely arranged for this broadcast. Bill, let's let's get into this. Um, Tell us, what happened to you? on November 22nd, 1998. All right. Well, if I may preface that with a quick comment. Uh, uh, this experience happened, first of all, November 23rd uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, 98. And this was not a near-death experience. Uh, I didn't die. This was uh, a vision. I had an out-of-body experience that I believe comes under the classification of a vision in the Bible. Remember in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, where Paul had a vision of heaven. Um, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord just happened to show me that I left my body. So that's why I know it wasn't a dream. It was a, it was a vision. Because people have asked, Bill, how could you see hell as a Christian? Well, that's how. I was just taking there in a vision. And, um, in, and just one more comment about a vision. In a vision, you can actually travel, uh, like Ezekiel did in Ezekiel chapter 8. He was picked up by his hair and carried to Jerusalem. And uh, John in Revelation was taken to heaven. So in a vision you can travel. And the Lord just happened to pick me up and take me to hell. Bill, I I totally understand and I totally um, believe that you experienced this this event because of my own uh, experience. I, I didn't travel, but... It also happened in 1998 uh, when I was working at TBN, and, and the Lord took me, called me into the chapel uh, on the second floor of the TBN building in, in Irving, Texas, the International Production Center. And and while I was uh, praying, the only way I can describe it, you know, and if a person has not had one of these experiences, and the, and, and I and I realize this is not the norm. It's not a regular experience in Christian uh, no. living. It's, it's, it's rare and it's divinely ordained and divinely um, scheduled. You can't make it happen. It has to happen when the Lord desires it to happen and it happens unexpectedly. You, you have no idea that this event's going to happen. But this is what happened to me and I was uh, as I was praying the only way I can describe it it was like a a movie screen dropped down in front of me. I wasn't floating around in the room. I wasn't um, unconscious or asleep or, or drifting. I didn't have an out-of-body experience. I was standing there. I saw the room. I saw all the physical things in the room. But it was like a movie screen came down in front of my eyes, and I watched a movie. That's the only way I can describe what I saw. Right Now, you had to be there. <laughs> and that's all I can say. You had to be there to, to believe it. 
and uh, and to understand it and see it. And so I'm I'm saying that to my listeners because I, I I want them to know that I I fully believe that you had this experience. Well, this is something I really didn't want to share with anybody. Uh, like it happened eight years ago, and I did share it with one close friend two weeks after it occurred. And then that friend shared it with someone else, and it ended up spreading from there. And I began uh, be- uh, getting invited to different Bible studies, churches, then some radio and some television. So it has spread uh, on its own that way. I did, it's not something I ever wanted to self-promote. I, I understand that, too, because God, God simply propelled you into this ministry. Right. And then the publisher, uh, Strang Communications, came to us about oh, two and a half years ago, and uh, heard me speak at a church and asked if uh, they could do the book. They would like me to write a book. So, again, it wasn't something I wanted to self-promote, but I did want to do the book because I wanted to put the scriptures in there to do with hell. It's not my experience that's important for anyone to believe. It's what the Bible has to say about hell. So everything I saw, heard, felt, smelled is already in the Bible. And so I listed all those scriptures in the book, and that's I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures. Bill, did this experience happen at 3 a.m.? Yes, it did. It, do you believe that there's a significance uh, to the hour? Well, I've heard a lot of people have had experiences at 3 a.m., so I believe that there is something about that hour, a spiritual, uh, it's the something that watch. occurs spiritually. It's the fourth watch. The That's fourth true. fourth watch of the night. And it, it's, it's the darkest hour, the most dangerous hour. It's the loneliest hour. That's and true. I hear the same thing. I, I, I receive emails and calls and letters from listeners all the time who tell me about right. dreams, visions, and experiences that they have at 3 a.m. Same here. I've gotten thousands of emails now and from people telling me their experience, and many of them are at 3 a.m. So Okay, so you were in bed asleep when this happened? I was in bed asleep, came home from a prayer meeting that night, went to bed like any other normal night, and at 3 o'clock I was picked up and taken out of my body, and I was dropped off in a prison cell in hell, just like you would imagine a prison cell with rough-hewn stone walls and bars. And uh, there's other areas in hell, but at this moment, I found myself in a prison cell. And uh, there's scripture for all this. Isaiah 24:22 talks about, And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. And Proverbs 7:27 talks about going down to hell to the chambers of death. And the word chambers means inner rooms. So there are prison cells in hell. Uh, I found myself in the cell. I had uh, no strength in my body whatsoever. Uh, you don't have any strength in hell. You're completely void of any kind of physical strength. And there's, I'd love to give you all the scriptures for each one of these things, but I'll keep going with the story. But hey, we have, uh, this is a one-hour program, so you take as much right. time and, and quote the word as much as you want to. All right. Well, um, oh, it says like in Isaiah 14, 9 and 10, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, Art thou become weak as we? And that word weak means faint or ill. And uh, Psalms 88, 4 talks about, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that has no strength. This is just one, one of the things you have to endure in hell. You have no physical strength. You can't hardly move. I noticed the temperature was so unbearably hot I wondered, why was I still alive? How could I be alive in this heat? I should be incinerated. And uh, here I was. I was fully awake and cognizant. This was not a dream. I was really in this place. Uh, I didn't know how I got there. Nothing was explained until the way back. And uh, uh, anyway, I saw these 
creatures that were in the cell. There were two enormous beasts in the cell. I didn't know what they were yet. They were demons. But at this moment, I didn't realize that. And they were about 12 or 13 feet tall. I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but there's even scripture for that. Genesis 6-4 and Deuteronomy 3-11 talk about, and it's too long to go into here, but all this is in the book. Anyway, um, these demons were blaspheming and cursing God. They had a hatred for God like you would not even believe. And then they directed that hatred towards me. And I wonder why. What, what have I done to them? But they just hate mankind. And they picked me up and threw me into the wall. I felt bones break. Bill, do you, do, you, do you, excuse me, but do you have, uh, do you have any discernment about why uh, they have such a hatred of the human race? Well, yeah. Um, John fifteen eighteen says, Jesus said, They hated me before they hated you. Mankind. Hatred comes from the devil and blasphemy and all that comes from the, the demonic realm. Uh, Ezekiel twenty eight fourteen through 16 talks about where God threw Satan out of heaven and he said, You were the anointed cherub who covers, but I cast you out as a profane thing. And profane means blasphemous, a vulgar language, contempt against God, a hatred for God. And uh, so they and hate. We are created in the image of God. Right. That's why they hate man because we're made in God's image so they hate they hate mankind they can't hurt God but they can hurt his uh, creation so by by uh, hating and and hurting and destroying human beings Mm -hmm. and uh, deceiving them and leading them into sin and away from from Christ they are able to inflict in, in their mind in their view they're able to inflict pain on God the Father because he has to watch his own creation be destroyed. Right, exactly. That's why we see so much suffering in the world and evilness. I mean, look, we've seen we've seen some pretty terrible evils in the world. Look at the terrorists, how they've sawed people's heads off. How merciless that is and evil. Well, that again comes from the demonic realm. That's the influence of the demonic. But at any rate, I was in the cell. Like I said, the heat... The stench is so foul and putrid. The demons have this foul smell. Nine, uh, Mark 9.25 says, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits. Well, they are putrid and disgusting. And then there's a sulfur smell in hell that is so toxic that breathing it should kill you. And I wondered, why am I still alive breathing this? The toxicity. Uh, but you don't die. How would you describe in detail the, the odor, the smell well, besides the sulfur smell, there is a smell of um, like an open sewer, rotting flesh, uh, bad spoiled milk, bad anything you can think of that's disgusting, uh, bad spoiled meat, uh, eggs, and so forth, and put it up to your nose. It's a thousand times worse than that. Were your senses heightened during this experience? Yes. Uh, actually, for some reason, your senses are keener in hell. There's a more of awareness. I can't explain why that is, but some of the scholars have written things about that in, in books, and uh, they have pointed that out too. But so in, in normal life, the the, the odor uh, would have been overwhelming. It, it would have destroyed you if you were. It would kill you. On and Earth. If you go to uh, Hawaii and go up to the, see the volcanoes, they have signs posted where you can't go past a certain point because the the toxicity of the sulfur coming up from the volcano. And that's the same thing that's in hell. So anyway, that should alone should kill you. But, but, but you'd have to you'd have to endure this 
wretched odor for eternity. For eternity. And it's worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe in hell. Like here we take a nice deep breath and you've got air. Well, the oxygen is totally depleted and there's not enough air. So any breath you take, you have to gasp for the slightest bit and you feel like you're going to die any second because you don't have enough air. Uh, and Isaiah 42.5 said, The Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. And these are people under the earth. You're not upon the earth. And every word's real specific with God. So, so you don't you're get saying to that this this experience you had in hell. Did you, not only did you have to breathe this 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 obnoxious, uh, disgusting odor and the sulfur, but there was no oxygen. You were literally gasping for your breath. Right. You you feel like you're suffocating every second. So any one of these things should kill you. But you you're you keep going, and you want to die, but you can't. And like I. Uh, you're exhausted in hell. I don't know how I could experience this. I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks. And you need to sleep in hell, but you never get to sleep. Just like here on earth, you would need sleep. You never get to go to sleep. So your body is totally exhausted. And Revelation 14:11 talks about, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Now, that's really talking about no rest from the torments, but it's also no physical rest. Because Psalms 127.2 says, The Lord gives His beloved sleep. You're not His beloved there. You don't get that benefit. All the things we enjoy here on earth, you don't get that in hell. You don't get fresh air. Water. There is no water in hell. I was so thirsty, like the rich man in Luke 16. Zechariah 9.11 says, uh, Thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. You never get a drop of water. And one drop would have been so precious. I thought about water and I... You just don't ever get any. What about the heat? Well, the heat was so intense, I wondered, why would I be alive in this heat? I wasn't in the fire. I saw the flames in the fire, which I'll get to in a second. But at this moment, I was in a prison cell. And uh, it's it's hot everywhere in hell. It's just beyond the ability to sustain life. So so when you, in this, in this experience, this vision, um, when you've, became aware that you were in hell, you were actually, uh, you arrived in a cell. Right, I was in the cell. I just had, I, I found myself falling through the air and I landed in a prison cell. And were these beasts in the cell with you or outside? They were. They were inside the cell. They were inside the cell, two of them. Reptilish in appearance, scales and bumps all over their body, huge protruding jaw, claws about a foot long. I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but they're the most ferocious evil-looking, twisted, deformed creatures. There's no symmetry to their bodies. They're not symmetrical like God's made us. Everything is deformed, out of proportion, twisted, grotesque. And uh, what, what actions did they take when you arrived in the cell with them? Well, they first were blaspheming God and uh, communicating with each other, cursing God, and they were pacing in the cell like a caged bull. And then they grabbed me and just picked me up like I weighed the weight of a water glass, threw me into the wall. I had tremendous strength. I collapsed on the floor. I did feel the pain. But I had an understanding that I didn't feel all the pain. I can't explain this, but on the way back, the Lord explained to me that He didn't let me feel all the pain. He blocked most of it, but He did allow me to feel some of it so I could relate to people. There's real pain in hell. It's not metaphorical or allegorical. It's not a state of mind. You actually feel the pain. So I did feel enough of the pain to, to know, hey, there's real pain here. 
but he graciously blocked a lot of it. But uh, they ripped their claws into my uh, flesh, and my body just shredded, and the flesh just hung open. You do have a body in hell. Matthew 10:28 says, "Fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." And I noticed there were no uh, blood or water coming from the wounds. Uh, and Leviticus 17:11 talks about the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no water and no blood of any kind. But uh, a physical body. You do have a you have a body. I don't. It, it's a spiritual body, but it in all points looks the same, feels the same as your physical body. You know, like in Ezekiel, his but it's not being sustained. It's not being sustained by food and water and blood. Well, I don't know if it needs it. I, I would. I wanted it. I was hungry and thirsty. Remember, the rich man wanted a drop yes. of water. Uh, so the so craving is there, but no yeah. supply. Right. So it somehow is the same as what you would want here. You want to breathe. You want to sleep. You want water. All those things. You never get all those things. Do you remember any sensation of hunger? Yes, I was hungry. Definitely hungry. And you remember when Ezekiel was just starting to say, uh, when he was told in his vision to eat a roll, and he ate it, and it became bitter in his stomach. Yes. So in his vision, he was in a spirit body, like First Corinthians 15.44 talks about a spirit body. He was able to experience eating and bitterness in his stomach. And that was in a spirit body. So somehow you can eat, and you, you need to drink and all that things, but you don't get any of those things in hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because hell is a place that's, separate from God you're separated from God and people think that well I don't want God but I want to enjoy all the other things well all good goes with God if you remove God from the situation there's no nothing good left he's the one providing the water the food the sunshine the fresh air and so forth but anyway I was alone isolated I knew I would never be with another person again uh, I got out of the cell I could hear screams of millions of people screaming at the top of their lungs and I understood there were millions of people all screaming, death-curdling screams, and it's it's uh, agonizing to hear that because there's no peace in your mind. You can't get away from all the loud screams. Uh, it was total darkness when I got out of the cell. There was only light in the cell for a minute, and I believe it was the Lord's presence that allowed me to see so I could describe to people what it looked like. Uh, otherwise, it, then it resumed its normal state of darkness. So, so you're in total darkness pitch black and there's a darkness you could feel the darkness like Exodus 10.21 talks about and darkness you're, you're aware you're aware because for a moment in the cell you, you, you saw these hideous creatures so you're aware that in the darkness there are more of these demonic creatures lurking inside well, this place yes but to get further I was p- picked up and placed over next to this raging pit of fire that I had uh, seen from a distance uh, and this pit of fire was about a mile across the pit, and flames were raging hundreds of feet in the air. So it produced enough light to just see a little bit, but the light did not travel like it would here on the earth. It barely lit right around the edges. For some reason, light doesn't travel there. It's so dark. And, but I could see enough to see in the flames, and there were outlines of people. I could see skeleton forms of people inside the flame burning, screaming and burning. And I was outside the pit viewing it. And so there's where I could see people screaming. And there were all other demonic creatures lined all around this pit. Some were small. Some were... Uh, there were spiders, huge spiders. There were snakes. And there were maggots all over the place. And, you know, the Bible talks about... in the, Isaiah 14.11 talks about the maggot. It talks about the worm. And the worm know. that never dies. Right. And, uh, right. Exactly. And the word is maggot. And there thousands of them everywhere 
disgusting. And uh, your, uh, like I said, the the heat from the flames. Oh my goodness, it was terrible, terrible. I wonder how could I be alive in this heat? Uh, the dryness, the hunger. I, I was absolutely exhausted. I wanted to talk to a person, but you never get to talk to another person again. And you're denied that, and you have no purpose, no destiny. You have nothing. You're just a useless, wasting away. And Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, There is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in Sheol. And the word Sheol is the word for hell in, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament. Uh, there was, Like I said, you're also naked in hell. It's just another form of vulnerability. And Job 26.6 says, Hell is naked before him, and destruction has no covering. And it's actually the word naked, bare, exposed. That's what it means. Uh you have absolutely no hope of ever getting out of this place. I had an understanding I would never get out. I thought about my wife up on the earth. We're really close, my wife and I. And I knew she would never see me, never know where I'm at, never could get to me. And uh, I could never tell her where I was at. That thought alone was really tormenting for me. And like it would be for anybody, I'm, I'm sure. And um, I thought about the people up on the earth's surface. That most people don't realize there's millions of people down here in hell below the earth's surface. And I, I thought about that. I so you were aware, you were conscious of... of The location. Yes, and, and, and the fact that, uh, that somewhere above you, uh, right. life, life was going on. Exactly, I knew that. I was aware of that. And I missed my life. I knew I would never have it back again. And it was just a fleeting moment because you're in such uh, terror, terrorized state of mind. You're in such fear because you're helpless. There's no angels to rescue you. There's no God to rescue you. You're just helpless. Bill, and, and, and during this experience, did, did, did you think that you really had died and had been sent to hell? Well, I knew I was in hell. That much I knew. I mean, I was, I was, there, was there a, like, I mean, were you being overwhelmed by a, a, a fear that, uh, if I, dear Lord, I died in my sleep and I didn't, I, no, I, I was didn't lost. Really, I didn't know how I got there or why, but one thing I need to point out about this vision that was a little bit unique. God blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. I've been a Christian for 37 years, and this happened eight years ago. And uh, so he blocked it, hid it from my mind that I was a Christian. Now, there's five or six scriptures I could give you where he's blocked something from people's mind. I'll just give you one quick one. Luke 24:16, where Jesus appeared to the apostles, and it said their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Well, John MacArthur's commentary comments on that, and he said, they were kept by God from recognizing him. God blocked it, hid it from their mind that it was him. There's a lot of examples I could give of that through the Bible, so we know God can do anything, but I always like to give scriptural reference to these things. So he hid it from my mind for a purpose, and that purpose was, see, if I was there as a Christian, I would have known, hey, I'm getting out of here. Um, This is just an experience. I'll be out of here. But he wanted me to experience what they feel there, hopelessly lost forever that you'll never get out. And that's one of the worst parts of hell, is understanding you'll never, ever get out of there. See, Isaiah thirty-eight eighteen says, Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And, of course, we know the truth is Jesus, because John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in hell, you have no hope for Jesus, the only one that could save you. And uh, So, anyway, these are some of the things you have to experience in hell for eternity. Okay, so you're... You've made it out of the cell. You're in yeah. pitch black, total darkness. Um, you know that these creatures are there. There is suffocating heat, uh, overwhelming stench. 
you're gasping for your breath and your your ears and your mind are are being bombarded by the screams of millions of desperate people. Right. What happened then? Well, my thoughts were, you know, I didn't want to be thrown into that fire when I was standing there alongside the fire. It was already unbearable and hot, but I just didn't want to be in the flames. And it's real, literal flames. It's not metaphorical again. It's real, literal. Psalms 11.6 says, Upon the wicked he will rain fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. Uh, Matthew 13.49 talks about the angels, so sever the wicked and cast them into a furnace of fire. Uh, I can give you so many scriptures. You know, John 15.6 talks about, If a man abide not in me, Jesus said, just as men gather branches, they are cast, thrown into the fire and are burned. It's actual burning fire. And... Um, and as uh, those, the demonic creatures that had a hatred for me, I knew they were, they could grab me at any moment and torment me, and there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't defend myself. Matthew 18:34 talks about being delivered to the tormentors, and uh, they uh, Luke 24, uh, 12, 47 talks about beaten with many stripes, beaten with few. There's many scriptures I could go through about the torments, but uh, I had an understanding there were different levels of torment, different degrees of punishment. I didn't know what level I was in, but I knew there were worse levels and all different degrees. And there's scripture for all that. There's different degrees of torment in hell. Um, anyway, so these are all the things that were going through my mind. I wanted to get out. I knew I would never get out, never come back. And when I was viewing all this and feeling all this way, uh, something began raising me up, up out of this tunnel. It was a Lord, but I didn't realize that then. As I was going up into this tunnel, this like cavern, it was absolutely pitch black now. It was just getting away from the flames. And uh, right then, all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, this bright light showed up. And instantly I knew who it was. I didn't have to question it, but I just said, Jesus. And he just said, I am. I didn't see him. I just saw an outline of a figure of a man in this bright, bright, pure white light. And I collapsed at his feet. I just fell at his feet like, like a dead man like Revelation one sixteen talks about. And when I was at his feet, I just was so grateful to be saved. He placed it back in my mind that I was a Christian. So I knew that now I didn't have to be in hell. I was so grateful for the cross, that he had gone to the cross, so I wouldn't have to be here for eternity in this place. I can't explain to you the feeling I had. I just was so overwhelming uh, peace and comfort to be next to Jesus and to be so thankful and grateful. That, but uh, anyway, thoughts started coming to my mind, and he would answer my thoughts. Uh, I didn't really want to ask him any question. I just wanted to worship him. But the thoughts would come in. I said, "Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place?" And he answered my thought, and he said, "Because many people do not believe in hell. Even some of my own people do not believe that hell exists." That statement shocked me because I thought, if you're a Christian, you'd have to believe in hell. But not all Christians do. We have found going around the country speaking that some Christians think that well you're annihilated if you go to hell you just cease to exist or eventually you get out of hell or hell is only for the devil and his angels hell was prepared for only for the devil and his angels Matthew 25:41. but man will go there if he doesn't receive Jesus as a savior and repent of his sins uh, but anyway that statement surprised me when he said that uh, anyway uh, so in a lot of churches we've found today are not really preaching the truth about hell there was an article in the L.A. Times, June 19th of 02, called Hold the Fire and Brimstone, where they interviewed pastors from all over the country, and it said the preaching of hell from the pulpits uh, is no longer being preached. 
It said the downplaying of damnation from pulpits have showed the influence of secularism on Christian theology. And churches aren't teaching it, so the fear of the Lord has left a lot of the church today. Well, Bill, let me be very blunt. A preacher can't preach about hell when he's preaching about positive thinking, motivation, and money-making. That's true. When the dominant message in the church in America today is live your best life now, find your purpose for this life, when that's the dominant message, you can't mix in a message about hell. The two don't go together. That's and, true. And the, the theme in the churches today is to be seeker-friendly. In other words, don't say anything that would offend or scare off right. somebody who's seeking to learn more about your church. And so the, the pastors are being told in these church growth seminars to avoid such topics as hell and eternal damnation and uh, being held responsible for the way that we live on this earth. Well, it's so true. And, and Christians, see, when you don't preach hell, then that fear of the Lord just dwindles in your life and you end up living a more compromised lifestyle. A lot of Christians end up living a more compromised lifestyle because there's, there's no real fear and uh, accountability for their sin, so to speak. And, well, you're going to bump into a lot of preachers in hell because yeah. some of those uh, chambers are, are going to be populated with wimpy, timid, uh, man-pleasing preachers who would not tell the people the truth. Well, I know Psalms 89.7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And that word feared means to shake in terror. And I think a lot of that's left the church today that we have been finding. And uh, so preachers aren't preaching the reality. Or they're preaching, well, hell is maybe a state of the mind, a state of the soul. It's not a real geographical location. It's not real fire. It's been downplayed. Or the absence of Christ. Right. That's another popular teaching. Right. It's literally, it's just the absence of being with God. Right, which they don't realize. If you remove God, all the good goes with Him. That's right. There's nothing good apart from God. James 1.17 talks about every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light. So you don't have anything good without God. Jesus was asked, will only a few people be saved? And he said, the door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in. For the truth is that many will try to enter, but when the head of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. Then if you stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us, he will reply, I do not know you. But we ate with you, and you taught in our streets, you will say. And he will reply, I tell you, I do not know you. You cannot come in here, guilty as you are. Go away. And there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth as you stand outside and see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets within the kingdom of God. For the people will come from all over the world to take their places there. And take note of this. Some who are despised now will be greatly honored then. And some who are highly thought of now will be least important then. Boy, well, it does, uh, you know, even having an understanding about hell makes you appreciate your own salvation much more than maybe you did, you know, from what you've been saved from. And it also gives you a more of a fervency to witness, to share the gospel. 
you remember in Second Corinthians 5, 10, 11, Paul was talking about the judgment seat. Even though the judgment seat is the reward seat for Christians, most commentaries believe he was talking about judgment and hell in general. And he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So when you understand judgment and hell, you'll be more persuasive. You'll want to go and tell people and warn them. This is not a message of condemnation. It's just a message of warning to let people know there's a real hell. You don't want to go there. And God doesn't want you to go there. But there's only one way out, one way to stay out of that place, and that's knowing Jesus, repenting of your sin, Luke 13, 3, and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, you'll end up in hell. And keeping His commandments. Because, Bill, the Word of God says Christ is returning for those who keep His commandments. That's right. Well, if you truly receive Him and repent of your sins, then you you will want to keep His commandments. But if you're not keeping His commandments, you really didn't repent. You know? And uh, I believe. So if you're a truly repentant, humble heart, then you'll you'll desire to want to please God and keep His commandments. Do those things that are pleasing in His sight. But... But these are all things that you have to experience in hell. It's it's terrible beyond words. I can't even paint a picture that it, it's so bad. No wonder Jesus talked about it more than anyone else to warn people, to let them know, you know. So it's a message of love, really. It's about God's great love, how much he loves people and doesn't want them to go there. So he's willing to warn us. And Like I said, I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures. I'm not anybody important or famous to... So what, what, what else happened to you during those 23 minutes in hell? Well, I like coming up the tunnel, being with the Lord. Uh, he, he said he just talked to me a little bit more, some, some things he shared with me, um, and he said, you know, many people make excuses why they don't witness. They say I didn't feel led, and I know we all have to feel led, but many times a man makes excuses and fears man rather than fearing God so they don't open their mouths. And the Lord wanted us to open our mouths because, you know, we can try to save, if we can influence someone, even one person. I saw people falling back into hell, and it it actually hurt the Lord when he saw people falling back into that tunnel we just came out of. Uh, What what do you mean people were falling back into the tunnel? we We went up this tunnel, and as we went up and came out of it, I could see people falling back down through this tunnel into hell. And it, and it, uh, the Lord wept when He saw people falling back down in this tunnel. He does not desire for anybody to go there. Ezekiel thirty three eleven says He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. So he, that's why He wants us as Christians to open up our mouth to influence as many as we can to keep them out of this place. But God's love that I felt that He allowed me to feel that He has for people was so overwhelming. He loves people way beyond what you and I are capable of even loving. You know, Ephesians 3.19 says his love passes knowledge. It's, it's beyond your ability to even know how much he loves you. And that's how much he loves every single individual and doesn't want them to go there. So he, he throughout people's whole lives, he tries to get the gospel to them. You know, they've got the word, they've got people that will witness to them. Uh, even in Job 33, he says he gives man dreams and visions to keep back his soul from the pit. So he tries at great lengths to keep everyone out of hell. He's not sending anyone there. People send themselves there. You know, we serve a loving God, you know. But he is a God that's a, a judge. He's a, a just God. And it's going to be a lot of religious people in hell. I believe you're right. Religion is the most uh, 
uh, it is. I think it's the most dangerous evil spirit, a spirit of religion. Uh, I believe you're totally right on that. The hardest people to reach with truth are religious people. They are self-deceived. They they go to church. They look like a Christian. They talk like a Christian. They they have everybody fooled, but their hearts are cold and empty and mm-hmm. evil and wicked. And and I have um, I have bumped into these people over the years, and they fool a lot of people. Uh, I, I'm thinking, Bill, you, you don't know me, and you don't know what our situation is, but uh, for over um, a year we have been battling to to hold on to our our property here in Tennessee, where our uh, ministry is located, uh, our homes and the uh, church building, and our property was uh, literally stolen from out from under us by a, a a Bible publisher who is esteemed by many major ministries, and yet what he did was uh, um, was uh, it was wicked, it was cunning, it was scheming. And to use uh, very devious methods to get control of our property and then try to evict us. And and I've prayed for this man because he thinks he's saved. Mm. He thinks he's a Christian because everybody applauds him. When he goes into a church or a big ministry, they welcome him because he's a Bible publisher and he is given the place of honor and, and he's on religious Christian television programs and... Um, and I'm just thinking of um, Luke 20. Jesus said, Beware of these experts in religion, for they love to parade in dignified robes and be bowed to by the people as they walk along the street. And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at religious festivals. But even while they are praying long prayers with great outward piety, they are planning schemes to cheat widows out of their property. Therefore, God's heaviest sentence awaits these men. Scary thought. These places you said that you discerned, you you perceived during that 23 minutes in hell that there were various chambers, various levels of hell where the torment was even greater. Right. Well, remember Jesus said... uh, uh, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city in the day of judgment, inferring there's a less tolerable, Matthew 10:15. Or, therefore, you shall receive the greater damnation, he said, inferring there's a lesser damnation. Uh, Luke 12:47 talks about a servant beaten with many stripes or beaten with few. Hebrews 10:28 talks about of how much sorer punishment so shall you receive. Uh, Matthew 23:15 talks about you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. Anyway, there's a lot of scriptures that for uh, the different degrees, but all of them are bad. There is not a nice area in hell. It's all horrifying, beyond belief. And it's and then, like I said, it's real literal fire. A lot of people think that's metaphorical or that couldn't be true. It couldn't be real fire. Well, it's real fire. Okay, did you wake up from this dream or this experience, this vision? I came back. I was coming through with this tunnel um, with the Lord. We came back above the earth's surface, and then we came back down. And then I saw myself through the roof of our house. I saw my my body in in my home. So I knew I was outside my body. It amazed me to see myself outside the body. Like, that's not me. This is a real me. The body looked like a shell. It looked to me like like you would look at your car. It's just a vehicle to get you around in. It's not really the real you. 
and uh, that's how temporary the body looked but I came back into my body and that's where the horror entered back in my mind because on the way back I was with the Lord and First John 4.18 says perfect love casts out fear so there was no fear in my mind but when he left then that fear and horror entered my mind and I began screaming in a traumatized state and that woke up my wife so she happened to look at the digital clock and it said 3.23 so that's where the 23 minutes came from and uh she saw me in a traumatized state. I don't even remember being there or anything. She had to tell me that she started praying for me for about a half an hour. And then I finally realized I was back. And we prayed that God would remove the horror out of my mind because the human body can't even live with that much horror in, in your what, mind. What state were you in when you came out of this experience? I was traumatized. She said like a like a war uh, victim, somebody in a war situation that you know was just traumatized. So, and that's not my nature. I'm very calm. Were you able nature. to speak? No, she said I was just screaming. And then, so she just was praying. And after about half an hour, uh, I, the, with the praying, I realized I was back. I was not in hell. But the, the torments in my mind, I said, pray God takes this out of my mind. I, I can't stand these thoughts. It's so horrifying. And, and she prayed and God removed it. He left you, the memory, but you separated were, you, were in this, uh, you were in this state of horror for, for a half an hour after you woke up? Yes. After I came back in my body. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I had said to the Lord one more thing. I said, Lord, I don't want to tell anybody about this experience. And he said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. It's the Holy Spirit's job. You just go and tell them. Tell them it's a real place. I didn't make it for man. I made it for the devil and his angels. But man will go there. He rejects me. Bill, are you are you aware? And I, I don't remember the, the gentleman's name. Uh, the African uh, pastor who died in a car crash. And yeah, yeah, I heard the the. Uh, I saw the video. You on saw it. the video. You know mm-hmm. which one I'm talking about with Reinhard yeah. Bunky. Reinhard Bunky. And his his wife uh, refused to to bury this man. I mean, they took right. his body to the. Uh, to the mortuary, they embalmed his body. Mm-hmm. Um, she heard that Reinhard Bunky was was somewhere in a nearby city, and she went to the funeral home and demanded her husband's body, had, which had been there for three or four days, and embalmed. And she took his corpse to Reinhard Bunky's uh, meeting. Right. And the the uh, security guards there tried to stop her and the men who were carrying the 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 dead corpse into the meeting. Mm-hmm. Ron R. Bunky was unaware this was going on. I, you know, there were hundreds of thousands of people in, in the audience. Exactly. And uh, he's up on the platform preaching the word, and this woman refused to be stopped. She believed that, that God could raise her husband from the dead, and she, they were able to bring his dead body in and lay it on a table in a room underneath the platform where Reinhard Bunky was preaching. Exactly. Yeah. And the man was raised from the dead. This man's a pastor. He was raised from the dead. But one thing I remember, Bill, didn't during his time out of his body when he he was physically dead, didn't God take him into hell? Yeah, he did. He saw hell. He saw people there. And he saw preachers in hell. That's what he said. He said he saw a lot of preachers in hell. And God told him that he was allowing this experience so that he would come back into his physical life on this earth and tell everybody that hell is real and right. that Jesus is coming soon. 
You know, I'm not the only one that's had this experience. There's been about 15 or 20 other books I've read from people that have had either near-death experiences or a vision. But one of them that most people are not aware of is John Bunyan, who wrote the most famous book ever written, The Pilgrim's Progress. No, I've not heard this story. Right. Well, he's a well-respected, you know, pastor from the past. And even John MacArthur quotes from him in John MacArthur's study on hell. He quotes John Bunyan because John Bunyan wrote a book called Visions of Heaven and Hell. He was taken in a vision by an angel and escorted through heaven and through hell. And he saw all the same things I saw. And he wrote about it in his book. I was unaware of this book until after my book came out. But it's interesting because he's considered a very credible, solid man that had a legitimate experience. Is there an actual book? Uh, yeah, it's called Visions of Heaven and Hell by John Bunyan. It's Whitaker House as a publisher. Wow. So you can get it you know, online, order it. Uh, but anyway, so there are other people. I'm not the only one. But uh, the point is, uh, God's just trying to get the message across to people. There's a real hell. And so for anyone that doesn't believe it, I just would encourage them to investigate the scriptures. Check it out for yourself. You don't need to believe me. It's not important they believe my story. It's important to believe what the Bible has to say because every word in the Bible is true. And if you reject Jesus, you will end up in this place. And one second after you die, it's too late. There's no turning back. You'll never get out. And I just want to warn people. So my wife and I are going around warning people. And it's not an easy message to deliver, especially for me being conservative. I'm a real estate broker. I have a company. And we went around for seven years around the country. I never took one dime. I paid my own way uh, to speak everywhere because I didn't want to taint the message in any way and have people think I'm doing this for money. Bill, I, and I will verify to our, our listeners that this is true because I was given uh, a homemade copy CD of one of your messages in a church and I I tried in vain to find you I, I couldn't find a website I couldn't find uh, anything uh, listed anywhere uh, I said man this guy this guy's just out there giving this testimony I mean I, I can't locate him and so I want to verify that you really um, I mean, I, I can I can tell you have really done your best not to commercialize this experience. No, we didn't want to. We said to the Lord, if you want this out, you're going to have to open up the doors. And He has. We've had hundreds of churches call for us to speak around the world. Uh, we've got thousands and thousands of emails from everywhere since the book has come out. And we never sought to put the book out. They came to us. We were honored because they're a really reputable uh, publisher. And we were honored to do it, but I wanted to do it to get the scripture in there so people could read what the Bible has to say. And God's blessed the book, which is amazing because I'm not anybody famous. It's not endorsed by anybody at all. Yet, it was, you know, it's done fantastic. It's the number fifth highest selling book at Walmart of the religious books. And uh, it's in Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Borders, all around the nation. So that's a miracle in itself to me. I mean, Yes, you know. yes. And we pray that uh, the Lord uses this book and uh, that many unsaved people, many uh, religiously deceived people will purchase this book and read it. 23 minutes in hell. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. Once again, once again, the Lord explicitly warned those people who are religiously deceived. I, I, again, I just I, I emphasize. I think this is the hardest group to reach. Yes. People who think they're saved because they're doing these religious things and they're speaking religious phrases and words and casting out devils and doing all this. And Jesus says, "I don't even know you." That's right. They're, Bill, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Well, it's so sad. It's so. Sad. It's horrifying. And, and nobody has to go to hell. That's what the sad thing is. No one need go there. If people would just be humble enough to admit, hey, I'm a sinner. I can't get to heaven on my own. I'm not good enough. But most people think it's based on being good or if you're bad, you go to hell. Not realizing it's not based on that standard at all. None of us are good enough to get to heaven because heaven is perfect and God is perfect. We aren't. We sin. So we need a Savior. And here Jesus died for our sin, paid that price, and all we have to do is receive Him, accept Him as Savior, repent of our sin, and He will take you to heaven. I mean, how, how good is that? I mean, and I want to, Bill, I want to add to that. I want to stress, and do the will of the Father. Well, you're right. You're Jesus right. I mean, clearly it's... says, He says, do the will of the Father. And see, this is, this is where I think, this is where the deception right. is... is, is um, Right, in so just many say, people uh, way. They're 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 saying I believe in Jesus, I am a Christian, but they do he said that the deciding issue right. is do you do the right. will of the Father? Exactly. And, and do your I, works line up with the, the profession of your mouth? Exactly. And that's what most people they say, Well, yeah, I know Jesus, but their works don't line up with it. They really don't know Jesus. So and you do have to do what God said to do. Keep His commandments. Yes. He said, if your eye offend thee, pluck it out. And the word offend means to cause you to sin. He said, pluck it out because it's better you enter into life maimed and in, than into hell fire. That's inferring, okay, don't let your eye take you to sin. You know, Romans 8.13 says, if you uh, live after the flesh, you'll die. So, God wants to walk the walk He's called us to. And, uh, and live right and upright. But Jeremiah thirty two forty says, I will put my fear in their hearts that they will not depart from me. So I believe the fear of the Lord keeps helps you walk in those ways. But it's because we love the Lord we want to walk in his ways. You know, but but also that fear of the Lord keeps you. My friend, let me ask you the most important question you'll ever be asked in your lifetime. What is your relationship with God, your Creator. If you died right now, today, if this would be your very last day on this earth, where would your soul be in the very next second? I know a listener of this radio program whose son heard a CD with Bill Wise, and the very next day he was killed in an accident what about you what is your relationship with God are you saved is your name written in the book of life 
Are you backslidden? Have you departed from the faith? Have you gone back into sin? You need to make it right. There is a place called hell. And what you need to do is go to your Heavenly Father who is waiting for you. He loves you. He's waiting for you. Simply confess your sins and ask Him to save you. Ask Him to forgive you and ask Him to write your name in the book of life. Do it. Don't delay. We hope this radio program impacted your life. Our main hope and mission is that you have a continued personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We recommend that you pray every day, attend a Bible-believing church, and read the Holy Bible each day. If you don't know where to start reading, we recommend to start in the book of John. 